I was taken from my parents when I was young, in and out of foster shelters, homes, different parents, feeling like nobody wanted me. I just have been through so much and I've carried so much anger towards myself. I would say first started drinking alcohol, I was in high school. I had a best friend at the time that was a few years older, so he was going to bars. I have an older brother who's three years older than me and we look similar. So <laughs> of course I took his ID and I was able to get into places with my older friend and we would drink and of course I didn't think it was anything wrong with it, you know? It's been part of my life, a part of what, how I coped, how I had fun, just what was a part of me heard so many times, oh, you need to stop and you need to stop. And I know now it was just to hide the pain, but it caused so much pain for others. The 18th of April is when I started my official journey at Wayside. Coming here, hearing different stories out of the Bible. I mean, I've never really read the Bible. The only in church did I hear these stories or hear verses out of Mark, Luke, whatever. It was that month after, it was just I started listening and started hearing what they were saying and I just would get something inside me. It's like, man, and of course I start crying. I'd be like, I could resonate with these stories. Let me just think about him all the time. Let me just let this work. Right at that time, I think something just clicked. Be like, you know what? I need to change. And again, like I said, I knew him, but I didn't know that I had to give him everything. And when I surrendered, I remember the day in the shower, I just said, dear Lord, I'm tired of being a screw up. I'm tired of the pain. I dropped to my knees and I said, just help me, whatever it is. I used to look at the cross and know that he died on the cross for us. But now it's not the same. I know what he went through. I can't look at a cross and not see him carrying it and see him being whooped and battered and bruised and still pushing through everything for us, for me, and them just saying he could be your father and knowing I didn't have a father growing up that was there for me. And I said to myself, I could replace him. He could do all this for me. Let me try this. Let me give him my all. And I did. Next is Corey Viola. Corey! <laughs> Corey, share a little bit with us, my brother. Pour your heart out. First of all, <laughs> glory to the number one God, God Almighty. Amen. But as a lot of you've heard, I love the Lord. Amen. And that's what they've allowed me to do, have a relationship with him. Because I knew him, but I have a relationship with him now. 
I'm sure you all know of him, but do you know what he can do for you? My advice is to the guys behind me, just give it over to him. Just being able to give this story, I know it's going to touch someone, and I think that's why I'm doing what I'm, what I'm doing. I know he, he's gonna put me in a place to be an inspiration to others. I love what they've provided for me, and they allowed me to get that relationship with my Heavenly Father that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. I've let the Lord change my life, and it's for the better. And I thank Wayside in that fact that they fed me the food that I needed, which was Christ. Well, Corey's story is just one of many stories that are being told and written at Wayside Cross Ministries. And if you are uh, new here with us, one of our traditions at Chapel Street, particularly during Advent, is we um, create a giving opportunity to serve the world, which is a fund that goes outside of the church to uh, ministry partners like Wayside Cross Ministry, like the other ministries we've been highlighting throughout the month. Um, to help make an impact for the sake of the gospel in our world. And we have been sharing stories throughout this month as a way to um, remind us all of the impact that, that you all are having. Um, in many ways, when I think of serve the world and when I think of the opportunity, oftentimes I think in, in kind of big picture and these are programs and their ministries. And then when you hear a story like that, you're reminded this is a person. This is another uh, human being that, that we have the opportunity through generosity to make a difference in their life. And this uh, Advent season, our goal as a church across all four campuses has been to raise $300,000 um, to support ministries like Wayside Cross through Serve the World. And so today, if you are able to partner with us in that, um, the QR code on the chair in front of you uh, is just one of the ways that you can give online um, if you select serve the world, you can give towards um, this, this opportunity that we have today and really throughout the year um, to help make a difference in, in, the, in these individuals' lives. And so because you have given in the past, stories like this are being told. And we look forward um, to the opportunity to, to tell you more of these stories. I probably won't come um, as any surprise to all of you that this is one of my favorite services of the entire year. Um, I love being with you all. I, I, I love um, the opportunity to just remind us what Christmas is all about. And one of my favorite aspects of this service, and really this time of year as a whole, is the music. Um, oh Holy Night is like my favorite song ever written. I always try to like hit that high note right there. That, um, and I'm pretty sure I nailed it um, this year. <laughs> and it's interesting because the whole Christmas music market, right? This is, there's people who make their entire living off the music that they produce for this time of, of year. In fact, I don't know what Mariah Carey and the Trans-Siberian Orchestra are doing the other 11 months of the year, right? But they are very busy right now. 
And you may not know this, but the golden era of Christmas music, the golden decade of it, is the 1940s. In fact, the survey was done just a few years ago that looked at all the, the Christmas music and movies and, and um, um, the, on the radio and all the places that it gets played, and it surveyed where it was written, and nearly a third of all the top 30 Christmas songs were written in the 1940s. People like Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, and perhaps the most famous of them all, Bing Crosby, sang songs that continue to resonate with us to this various day. In fact, here's just a list of some of these songs. Have Yourself, A Merry Little Christmas, 1944. Sleigh Ride, 1948. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, 1949. Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow, 45. And then probably, uh, again, the granddaddy of them all, White Christmas, um, by Irving Berlin, uh, sung by Bing Crosby. That song, according to the internet, which I'm told is a very reliable source, is the biggest selling single worldwide song of all time, White Christmas. And one of my favorites from the 1940s, also sung by Bing Crosby, is a little song entitled, I'll Be Home for Christmas. In fact, let's just play a line or two of this real quick. I'll be home for Christmas You can plan on me What's next? Please have... Yeah. <laughs> and mistletoe and presents under the tree. In the 1940s, this song captured the attention of the American public because the American public at the time was feeling very keenly the pain of separation. That song is written from the perspective of a U.S. soldier who is off serving in World War II. And so with so many of our men and women away from home at the time, it was roughly about 11% of the entire population, nearly 16 million soldiers, were, were off serving at the time. Nearly every household felt that, that pain of separation, that sense of an empty seat sitting at the dining table for Christmas dinner in their house. And so the song captured the soldier's desire, this longing for home, even if it is only in his dreams. That song, by the way, become, became the number one requested song by soldiers to be performed by the USO throughout the year, not, not only during the Christmas time. Because that longing that it seems to capture and expresses so well points to, it speaks to something greater. This is also, by the way, the, the plot line that we see being played out in so many of our favorite Christmas movies. Probably most obviously in Home Alone, right? The pain of separation, the effort for reunion and return. If you think about the movie Elf, like there is the traveling through the candy cane forest in order to be reunited with his father. Uh, um, oh, what's the one with George Bailey? Now I'm like, it's a wonderful life. Yes, that was weird. Um, <laughs> there, he sees that glimpse of, of what separation looks like and you see him putting everything he can into getting home. The anxiety of separation, the longing for a return, and the eventual joy of seeing that fulfilled. 
That song and that story remain so popular because it describes a longing that is in part what it means to be human. And in many ways, I would contend that the, the plot line of the entire Bible itself is a, a long, beautiful, and at times very painful story about the longing for home. And the incarnation, the event that we remember and celebrate at Christmas as the Son of God enters into human flesh, it's not a story of humanity's ability to make its way home, but rather how God made his home with us. Throughout this Advent season, we've been looking at this picture of the manger. This is just a scene from our little nativity set out in our front yard. And each and every week, we've asked ourselves the question, who's in the manger? Because scenes like this decorate our homes, they decorate our community, we see them out, we drive by them, and, and we can almost sort of just pass without stopping to consider the significance of the story that they tell. But when John's writing his gospel, that question of who's in the manger seems to be fundamental to what he wants us to understand. In Apostle John's gospel, he begins to answer this question at the very outset. And you might know this from John chapter 1, verse 1. The apostle writes this, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or in other words, John writes, he says, The Word, which is one of the ways that John describes Jesus, was at home with the Father, because he is also fully God. His home wasn't a modest living in, in uh, Nazareth with his, his human parents, Mary and Joseph. His home certainly wasn't in a, a stable in Bethlehem where his uh, crib would be a feeding trough that was used for livestock. He was at home with the Father, which only goes to highlight the significance of what John is going to go on to say later in this same chapter. This is jumping down to verse 14. John writes this, he said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son of the Father who is full of grace and truth. John in these previous verses has described Jesus as the word, as I mentioned earlier. He's talked about him as the light and the life. And now in verse 14, he describes him as the glory. That word in, in our culture, in our uh, usage typically means something like impressive or prestigious. But the glory of God, as it's described throughout the Bible, has far greater implications. The word glory is, is used to describe the sum of who God is. So much so that when we see somebody just become proximate, like in the area of the glory of God in the Old Testament, their response in that moment isn't one of joy. It's not celebration or, or merely being impressed, but rather their response to be in the general area of where the glory of God was is sheer terror. Right? The, the, the fullness right, of God, the sum of who he is, is more than they can take in. And they fall on their face when they're in the presence of it. We, in fact, catch a glimpse of this in, in Luke chapter 2. This is a, a part of the story that we often read every Christmas together. 
And you might remember this, when the shepherds are uh, receiving the news from the angel. This is verse 8. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The response is, is one of fear. And this is the angel of the Lord. This is sort of a glory adjacent, and it's too much for him. But then notice what John goes on to say in his gospel. He says, it's this glory, the sum of who God is, that has come to dwell with us. And the angels, as, as the shepherds respond in fear, this is what the angel's message says. This is verse 10. It says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Did you notice what the angel declared there? Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. The glory of God, you're going to find him as a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. His glory, the sum of all that he is, has come in the vulnerability and ultimately the accessibility of a child. And when we could not make our way home to him, God made his home with us. In the words of, of C.S. Lewis, the theologian and author, he said, once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our world. That's the message of Christmas. Sometimes many of us today and tomorrow, you will go and you'll gather with family and be together and share community together. But sometimes um, when that's not possible, I've had friends who are first responders or sometimes somebody's in the hospital the family instead of expecting that person to come and be with them they'll they'll pack up the gifts and they'll gather some of the decorations and 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 make a a picnic with all the food and they will go to be with the person who can't be with them that's what god has done for us that's what Jesus is for us. He is the glory of God in the flesh. The word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt with us. He took up residence among us. This is the story of Christmas. In fact, I, I would point out, I think this is the story of the entire Bible, that God wants to be with us. And later in his gospel, John tells us why. In one of the most famous and well-known verses in all of Scripture, he writes this in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He did it because he loves you. It came all this way, the glory of God and the, the vulnerability and the accessibility of a child because he loves us. And the words of the angels, on that day in the city of David, a savior was born for you. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we do just thank you for this time.
as a church family to gather and to celebrate, to be reminded of who you are. And Lord, in many ways in our human experiences, we feel so keenly the pain of separation. And so would you remind us again that you took on flesh, that you took on the innocence and the vulnerability of a child so that when we could not make our way home with you, you made your home here with us. And you did it because you love us. Remind us again of your great love this Christmas. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. We conclude our Christmas Eve service um, by lighting the Christ candle. It's the last candle of, of Advent. And then following that, as we remember and uh, recall the light of Christ coming in, overcoming the darkness, we sing Silent Night together. And as we do, I will light my candle from the Christ candle. And then I will take it down and, and I will light the candles in the front row and they'll spread it to them and they'll pass it back. And as we sing Silent Night, the light of Christ will spread through the room. Um, as you may have noticed, we're using real candles this year. We have probationary status here. Uh, and so um, I would just encourage you, as you light, take the unlit candles, the person that has the lit candle, take the unlit candle and light yours um, and then pass it along. So once you have yours lit, just keep it straight. Um, that would be great, yeah. I wanna do this again next year, people. That's my goal. So. Let me read um, the last Advent reading of Christmas. The final uh, candle is the Christ candle. It reminds us that the waiting for Christ's first coming is over, even as we wait for his return. This is the paradox of Christmas. We live in the hope of his kingdom coming, even though we only get glimpses of that kingdom now. We cling to his promise of peace, even as war rages around us we hold on to joy amid circumstances that threaten Four to steal that joy we love as we've been loved even Six. though that kind of love doesn't always make sense we believe that light Four. will win out over darkness we believe that Mystic life will win out over death let's pray in the beginning was the word in the end will be the word and that word is with us right now. As the old Christmas carol says, light and life to all he brings. This Christmas, may he bring light and life to our world. And may he bring light and life to our own hearts. Amen. Jesus, Lord, and Amen. You may extinguish your candle. <laughs> We're almost there, yeah. Just before you go, uh, real quick, before I offer this morning's benediction, just a reminder, if, if you uh, don't have a church home, know that you're always welcome here. Uh, next weekend for our services, because so many of our staff and our uh, key volunteers are putting in copious amounts of hours, our services will primarily be online next weekend. We'd love to have you join us. There will be an in-person service at our South Street campus at 9 a.m. You're all invited. 
uh, to that as well. And then beginning in January, we're starting a brand new series entitled Praying with Paul. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to diving in this together. And so we'd love to have you join us. We have a Saturday evening service at 5, Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1030, and you are always welcome here. Now receive this morning's benediction. Go in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who is the fullness of God, his glory, who came in the flesh so that we could be home with him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas.